I'm asking you to do something special that we'll leave and we'll never forget what you did today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just sense his presence already in this place. Let's stand together.
are worthy, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we just do love Bless your name. 
we can you do that? Thank the Lord right now, church. Thank you for his presence. Give him honor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Continue to worship. Praise the Lord. You can do better than that, man. Give God a hand clap of praise in this house. Amen. Give him glory. He's worthy of everything. All the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. If you have your Bibles in the book of Acts chapter 12, I have a word from the Lord for us today that has been stirring on me all week long. And I intend to try to do my best to deliver it to you the way that I felt like God was delivering it to me. All right, Acts chapter 12. Good to see everybody, man. People came in. Y'all must have been here about 11 or so, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I was... I'm glad you came in. Let's put it that way. Today I want to deal with these simple four words. But the church prayed. Isn't that powerful? What a thought. What a thought. But the church prayed. Now in Acts chapter 12, about that time, King Herod... Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. Just stay right here on verse 2 for just a minute, Chevy. That's the way it's going to be today. He had apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. At one occasion, Jesus had already told, he had prophesied, he had told James and John, and he told the other disciples, uh, I believe it was at the, the Passover where they were drinking together, the Last Supper rather, and as they were sitting there passing around the wine and they're drinking, they're eating the bread, he tells them that they are going to drink from the same cup of suffering as he did. Now for James, this was execution. For John, it was exile to an island, but both suffered. The question may arise in your mind today, and I don't want to leave any stone unturned, because the question may arise when I read this verse to you, why did God allow James to die but deliver Peter? Right? Why does God let Herod chop off the head of James, but when he's getting ready to do it to Peter, it does not happen? That's really hot. The question that arises in our minds, we also have to respond and answer these things that some things are simply in the hand of an all-sovereign God. That's good. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. He said, and we know. Somebody said, we know. We know that. How many things? Louder. Thank you. All things work to good, together for good to those that love the Lord and to those that are called according to His purpose. So there's some things when it comes to James and Peter in this instance. It's one of those situations to where... We are in the hands of this sovereign God. And we have to believe that He is working all things for our good. So that's why when you deal with things in your life and you don't know what God's doing, you need to just trust in the sovereignty of an almighty God. That even though you don't know what He's doing, you don't understand where He's taking you, God said, I'm working on your behalf. And where I'm taking you is the perfect place for you. It is my will for you. That is what is known as the sovereignty of God. And in the end, we are fulfilling the purpose that God has for our lives. That is why it is so dangerous that we should never compare our circumstance that we go through to the circumstance that other people are going through. Because we can rest assured that God's purposes 
They are not the same for each and every Christian. There's a purpose for me. There's a purpose for you. So God has to work in my life differently than He works in your life in order to get us to the will of God and the place that this sovereign God wants us to. To be at. Don't compare what you're going through with what somebody else is going through. It is even in the roll call of faith. It's Hebrews chapter 11. Where he said that some of them were sown asunder. They were literally cut with a saw. Speaking of Isaiah. He said that some like James would die by the sword. He said that some of them had to hide in caves like animals. Because they were being hunted down by the enemy. Trying to kill them. James and Peter, please know this before I move on. That James and Peter were both operating in the will of God. The outcomes are different. But at the end of the day, they were both doing everything to please God and do His will. But God had different plans for how each one of them would bring Him glory on earth. And trust me, James from the moment they took his head off was in a far better place than Peter was. So God delivered James. He just delivered him a different way. And then when we read our Bibles and it says that whenever we're killed for Christ, he said that we should celebrate, rejoice that you have been counted worthy to suffer like that for Christ. So in the end, the church is still getting the glorification that God is showing them through the fact You've got one of your bishops that just died for me. Give God praise for James. And then you've got Peter that we're going to find is in a prison. That the church is going to have to pray that God will deliver them. But guess what? In both cases, God was still faithful. And He brought both of them through. And in the end, God was the one that was getting the glory. And that is exactly what God is going to do in your life when it's over. Verse 3. When Herod... Saw how much this pleased the Jewish people. Well, he also arrested Peter. He thought, well, it worked with James, it'll work with Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. The intention of Herod was to kill Peter, just like he had killed James. Now, I've said this many times, but I can't get it off my mind. That Satan has intentions for your life. Satan has plans For your life. Everyone in this building. He has already typed up a personal agenda. Of what he can do with you. How he can use you. To bring glory to him. He's got his plans. He's got his intentions. But I need to remind somebody today in this building. That you never need to forget. That God has plans for you too. And God has intentions for you too. It is up to you. It is up to you as to which plans and purposes are going to rule in your life. But if you'll serve God in the end, God is going to use you in a way that you never thought possible. Oh, and by the way, it is the Lord's plans that will always prevail. Many are the plans in a man's heart. Many are the plans in our enemy, in his heart for us. But the Lord's will and the Lord's purpose for the man that has put himself in his hand and said, take me and use me. The Lord's will and purpose and plan will prevail. Somebody needs to remind the devil right now. They need to tell him, God has plans for me. Somebody needs 
needs to let the enemy know in your life right now that even though things are crazy, God is still in control. I'm still on the right path. I'm still doing the will of God. And in the end, He's going to get the glory, not you. Verse 4, then He imprisoned Him. See, sometimes God allows these things to happen to bring Him glory. Can you see that? So if we take Peter and we take out the part of the story that puts him behind bars, the power in this story is lost. I mean, really it is. I mean, if, if we really read without him behind bars, this is a mundane story that I couldn't even hardly preach on today. But it is because God allowed him to be imprisoned by Herod, that I can preach what I'm about to preach to you today. Are you ready? Placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. I'm not the best math magician in here, or magician, whatever they say. I don't even know what you call it. But four times four, I think is 16. So Peter is going to prison... And he's got four guards in front, four guards beside him on each side, and four guards behind him. Herod intended to bring Peter out for the public trial after the Passover, of course, because he could not kill him during the Passover. It was against the law. I'm going to give you three points today, and by the time you leave, you should be able to remember all of them. Are you ready? Number one, Peter was surrounded by the enemy. Everybody with me? He was literally surrounded. Now, I looked up the word surrounded because I like Webster's. I like Noah Webster and I like what he has to say. And he said to be surrounded means to be all around you. Has anybody ever been in a battle like that? Where everywhere you look, see, see, it's unique because Peter, at this point, he has already, read your Bible, he has already been incarcerated three times, not one. This isn't the first. This is the third time. He has become a regular in the prison. Oh, there goes Peter again. Peter, what you been up to this time, boy? You stirring up trouble for the Sanhedrin court? I mean, what are you doing this time? This time, Peter, because it's the third time, they said, we're not going to put one soldier with him, two soldiers. This guy is going into maximum security. 16 soldiers. You would have thought that Peter was a stone cold serial killer. But the fact is this. All that he's doing is preaching about Jesus. He's singing about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. He is lifting up the name of Jesus and that is his crime. What a crime to commit, right? He's giving God glory. He's praising God. He's preaching about Him. Thank God. Listen, I've never been in prison. But I have watched a few prison breakout shows. And I have never seen anyone break out of prison, whether a false narrative or a real life true experience, that was being guarded by 16 guards in max security. Have y'all ever seen one like that? I mean, he just comes out, beats up 16 guys, you know, grabs their stick, beats the other guards with it. Anybody seen that? I haven't. It don't happen. You, I mean, you, you may get one or two guards, but 16 guards 
if you're getting that meaning, you're a bad mamma jamma, I'm going to move out your way anyhow. The story that I'm reading to you today is the epitome of being truly surrounded by your enemy. And I feel like today that as God was speaking to me that there are people in here today that they may feel surrounded by their enemy. Everywhere you look, the enemy is there. You need resources. You need money. But there's a lack of resources on this side. You look on this side and trouble is all you see. When you try to move forward, all that's in your way is sickness. When you try to go back, all you run back into is your anxiety and your depression that you've been trying to work through. The enemy is truly surrounding you. Now, 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 now. we cannot ignore the fact of being surrounded by the enemy. Life happens, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to happen. I wish that we could live in our perfect little fairy tale land, right? Where everything's perfect, the roses are always red and the violets are always blue and I could go on and do a little riddle there, but I'm not going to. That rhymed though, didn't it? We cannot ignore the enemy. We cannot live in this perfect world that we never face trouble. For Jesus told us in John, He said, in this life, you will have trouble, you will have tribulation, you will go through hard times, period. No matter what you do, whether you're a saint, whether you're a sinner, it's going to rain on the just, just like it rains on the unjust. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're an evangelist, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, a song leader, a musician, or just somebody that came to church today as a member, let me tell you, the devil will surround every one of us if he can. It is life. Some of us this week are going to get bad news. It's a part of life. Some of us this week are going to get down in our spirits. And we're going to barely make it to church next Sunday because we just don't feel like going anymore. There's going to be somebody in this house, no doubt, that that's going to happen to this week. It's real life, folks. Surrounded by the enemy is just part of it. But watch this. I remember that song. He never promised. The cross would not get heavy. Anybody ever heard that song? The hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered our victories without fighting. But he said, help would always come in time. I love this song. He said, he said just remember when you're standing in that valley of decision. And the adversary says, just give in. But he said, just hold on. Because our Lord will show up. And he's going to take you through the fire Again, it does not matter if you are surrounded. There's a God above that is looking after you. He has not left you. He has not forgotten you. And He will not leave you forsaken, surrounded by 16 soldiers. Watch this. There's a story I read it this week. I thought it was pretty good. There's a father and a son. And they're riding in a wagon. They're trying to outrun this wild prairie fire going on. Prairie fire is catching up. The father assesses what's going on. He compares how fast he can go to how rapidly this fire is moving. And he knew that he would surely be caught by the fire. They simply couldn't get away. He had done the calculations. He could tell that it was sure that he and his son would die. So the father and the son got out. He starts digging this trench. 
And he literally digs a circle around them, his son and the wagon. And he lights at the fire. He burns out all the vegetation, all the greenery, so that they can get inside of that big space that he had prepared. As the fire begins to come upon them, and as it is raging, Dad, we've got to get out of here, the son says. To which the father says, no, son, you just stand. But Dad, the fire, the fire, son, just trust me, just stand. Stand. Yeah, but 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 we've got to run and we gotta run now. No, we don't, son. All you've got to do is trust your father and stand. How can I stand when I'm surrounded by the fire? The son asked. To which the father said, Because, son, this place where we are standing has already been burned once. I just set it afire. There is nothing left to burn. Look, all the vegetation and the grass is gone. All the fire can do is come up around us, but it cannot touch us. Oh, I wish somebody helped me preach today. Because once the ground has been burned, it can't be burned again. Can I tell somebody today that Jesus Christ was burned once? If we could say it, His burning experience would be on that cross on Golgotha's hill. Yes, I know there's some of you that may be seeing the fire around you. And you may want to run because of the fire the enemy is chasing you with. But I have come to tell somebody just like the father told his son. It is not time to run. You just need to stand and trust in Jesus. Because if you stand on Christ and His accomplishment and what He did on the cross for you, you can't be burned again. No wonder Isaiah said it. Look at Isaiah 43. But now, O Jacob, listen to what the Lord who created you, O Israel, the one who formed you, says. Watch this. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. That's the work on Christ. Burn once. I have called you by my name. You are mine. I like belonging to Him, don't you? Oh, this is good. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. My God, when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. What He's saying is they may come around you, but with me on your side, they cannot touch you. All the enemy's doing is surrounding you. That's it. They can't hurt you. Isaiah 59, 19. So, shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, His glory from the rising of the sun? Watch this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So just imagine your little circle. And trouble is coming. And the Waters are raging and the fire is burning. What God says is I'm putting a standard around you. The enemy will surround you. But the enemy cannot touch you. See, Isaiah was on to something. In layman's terms, the enemy may surround you. I want you to remember this. But the enemy cannot touch you. Ask Job. When Job was tested, God said, Satan, you can test him. But you can't touch him. You cannot have his life. Satan has to, unless God gives Satan permission, he can't do anything to you. Read the story of Job. He can't kill you. 
He can't take you out. He doesn't have that authority. He doesn't have that power. It is not within his power to do it. So God says he's got to ask permission. Can't do anything. Somebody ought to give God a loud shout of praise right now in this house. Woo! That your enemy may surround you, but he can't touch you. So Peter was surrounded by the enemy. I got to hurry. Secondly, Peter was surrounded by the angels. Aren't you glad? Do you remember the story when Elijah was surrounded by the enemy in 2 Kings chapter 6? Anybody remember reading that in your Bibles? Well, I'm going to give you the, the, a, a short story. So basically they're coming, they're going to take over the city. But you remember chariots of fire. Y'all remember that? Were surrounding the enemy. So, so Elijah, just flip to it. Let's go, Chevy. Let's go to verse 16 there. He said, don't be afraid. This is what Elijah said. The prophet answered, or Elisha rather, I'm sorry. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those that are with them. So, so let, let's, let's get this straight. So when Gehazi looks out there, or, or not Gehazi, but his servant looks out there, and he goes and he sees the enemy. He says, Master, we are surrounded. There is no escape. There is no way we're going to get out here with our lives. We have been surrounded by the enemy. Elisha in faith looks at him and says there's more with us than there are with them. So the servant looks and says, I don't see what you see. All I see is these enemies. They're all around us. I see enemies. I see enemies. Verse 17. And Elisha prayed, Lord, just open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord, watch it, opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots. All around Elisha. Somebody, yes. Like Elijah and like Peter. You may be surrounded by your enemy. I am not denying that. But your enemy is surrounded by your angels. For the angels of the Lord encamp around about. They surround those that love the Lord. That fear Him. And He delivers them. I got to say it again. So you may, like Elijah and Peter, you may be surrounded by your enemy. But what you don't see is that your enemy is surrounded by your angels. Just hold on a little longer, child of God. Because when the time is right, and please know God has you on His calendar, the angels of the Lord are going to swoop right in. And they're going to kill the enemy for you. And all you're going to do is stop. Just stand. That's all you gotta do. You just stand. Man, somebody praise him today. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. But, somebody say, but. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly or fervently for him. Now, four words that stand out to me is but the church prayed. Now, I'm going to close with this point. Peter is surrounded by the enemy. You got that? Number two. But Peter was also surrounded by the angels. And point three. Peter was surrounded by prayer. What more 
of a recipe for success can I give you today? Now, there are times you got to pray for yourself. Anybody ever been there? There are times, I mean, sometimes you can't wait on somebody else to get a prayer through to heaven. Sometimes you got to get a prayer through. I mean, I love Sandy Night's song. I was listening to it the other day. Somebody got another prayer through. Somebody touched the Lord. Somebody just touched heaven for a need, another need once more. Somebody prayed until the Spirit came. Somebody called on Jesus' name. Somebody knocked on heaven's door. Somebody touched. I love that song. But nonetheless, there are times that we have to pray for ourselves. I was sitting at Newry Church of God many, many years ago. Gosh, I'm losing track of time. I'm getting so old. Does, is that normal for you people that are over? Well, anyhow. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going there. And so you're at Newry. And I, and I remember one night, my son, just a little kid at the time. He was just a little fella. And I remember him coming in the room. He couldn't, couldn't breathe, couldn't catch his breath. And I, undoubtedly having an asthma attack of... Of some sorts. And Jennifer's on the phone with the ambulance. I've got his head. Laying hands on him in Jesus name. Giving him some, some air from the freezer. It doesn't seem to help. I remember going outside. Sitting. Wrapping him up in a blanket. I was sitting there just shaking and rocking. And calling on the name of Jesus. Jesus touch my baby. I mean he literally. He, he could have died. If, if we would have not gotten him medical attention at the right time. And got that prayer through. He wouldn't have made it. I'm telling you. He was that sick. At that moment. It was the worst thing we'd ever dealt with. And when we were praying. I would say God please just just let God help him. Help him. him." And just happened to be. That there's a guy that is driving right by our house. Almost within just a couple minutes it seemed like. That guy drive right by. He said I heard the call come in. I'm off duty. But I was driving by. And he had oxygen. He gave him that oxygen. His stats when he checked it. Was all the way in the 70s. Now, for anybody that knows that, your stats should be on the lowest side, 95 up to 100. You don't get into the 70s. You can't live in that condition without some type of artificial help or oxygen on you. We don't have oxygen at the house, but he just happened to be passing by. It is at that moment. So what I'm telling you is, listen to me, I believe in being able to touch heaven for yourself. Because there's going to be times in your life when you're not going to have time to pick up the phone and call one call now and get the church to pray. Is everybody still with me? So you don't need to become so contingent on the prayers of others that you don't know how to ring heaven's bells for yourself. Everybody's still with me. All right. Now please don't feel differently about me saying this as a pastor, but it's just real life. There have been times that I have been in a state of mind, I couldn't touch heaven for myself. I really don't feel like I could. There have been times in my life if I'm being real with you and just honest and straightforward like I am too much of some time according to my wife. If I'm being real with you, this is what I have to tell you. There have been times, Harry Burgess, I didn't feel like praying. And I was the pastor of the church. And I'm trying to preach to people. You need to pray. You need to touch it. You know, and you're trying to push them. And we know what the Bible says, Right? 
But in every one of us, there are times our faith this week. And there's times that we do allow the fire just to get us a little fearful. And we allow the enemy to talk us out of good blessings. We've all been there and we've done that. There's times I didn't feel like praying. And you've been there too. I didn't feel like believing God for a miracle. I just felt like quitting. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Are y'all still in y'all's fairy tale land and everything's perfect? It was in those moments that I needed the church to pray for me. I'm telling somebody today, I am sick and tired of the church not being the church. I am sick and tired of us as churches in America, here, wherever you want to say it, I am tired of churches getting to the place that we have created our agendas and we go through our little motions and our normal routine agenda and not be in the church of power and the church of prayer and the church of authority that God has called us to be. Now, in that moment, now I'm going to tell you something, we got a good crowd today. I'm really proud of everybody for being here today. Thank you. It's encouragement to me to see a crowd here today after all we've been through with this sickness mess. But me and the counseling, they can tell you, I started watching the numbers. Sometimes you watch numbers a little too close and it depress you. And in a time of a pandemic, numbers aren't the best thing to look at. But we had built up all the way to almost uh, 178 or so, and I was just bragging. Telling the counselor, oh, we're doing good, Lord. Man, God's good. You know, and then we had a little week off last week. But thank God our isolation people are right back here in quarantine. Individuals that are over this stuff, you're back today. And so the numbers, they're going to pick back up. I'm telling you, they are. They're already picking up today. God's going to bless us. We're going to keep being faithful. We're going to trust in God. God's going to bring us through this mess. I believe that with all my heart. I have confidence that the God that started a work in us, in this church, in my life, He is not finished. He's going to accomplish it. And a little pandemic isn't going to stop God from being God. He is going to get the glory in the end. I'm trusting God for Olin. I'm trusting that all that's going to be is a testimony to edify this church that God's still God. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm praying for. And I hope that that's exactly what God's heart and God's will is for his life. At that moment, the Apostle Peter is in max security. There are 16 soldiers surrounding him. In that moment, the Apostle didn't care about what the church attendant was last week while he was in prison. I doubt he was concerned about the temperature in the building. I would dare say that he didn't even care about the song selections and what they were singing or even what the preacher was preaching while he was in prison. All he cared about was but the church prayed. He didn't care about nothing else really mattered. I'm going to tell you we can make substitutes for prayer. But there is no substitute for prayer. Prayer is the only way to have a genuine move of the Holy Ghost. To have a powerful move of healing and restoration. It only comes by the Spirit. And when the church prays. Now I feel like I have a word from the Lord for Gap Hill. Church of the Almighty God today. 
If the church will pray, miracles will happen. There's a couple of people that missed that word from the Lord, so I'm going to give it to you again. I said, if if Gap Hill Church of God will pray, then Gap Hill Church will see miracles. They will happen. I still believe if there are any sick among you and afflicted among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with awe and the prayer of faith shall heal the sick and they shall recover. I still believe Prayer works when the church prays. Satan thought he was going to kill me with COVID. But the church prayed. The enemy thought he was going to drive me mentally insane and emotionally insane. And give me anxiety and depression. But the church prayed. My friends looked at me like Job and thought I'd never come out on the other side. But thank God the church prayed. Herod thought Peter would face the sword. Just like James did. But the church prayed. And Herod did everything within his power. But his power was not as great. As the power of when the church gets on their knees and calls on the name of Jesus. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise and let me get a breath. Verse 6. Verse 6. I got to close. Let me hurry. I can't leave this out. I just got to give it to you real quick. This is Peter's miraculous escape from prison. Just go verse by verse. I'll tell you when to change, Chevy. Stay at verse 6 for a minute. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. You have to love men and women of God that can sleep in the middle of trouble. Daniel did it in the lion's den. Peter did it in the prison. Jesus did it in the middle of a troubled storm. Oh, God. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly... When the church prays, suddenly begin to happen. Not next week, not next year, but right now. How many of you believe that you serve a God that if the church really could just ring the prayer bells today, that God could answer it suddenly right here and right now? Does anybody feel me today? Suddenly. There's a bright light in the cell. An angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him. And said, quick, get up. I love this. And the chains fell off his wrist. When the church prays, chains fall off. For whatever we find in heaven will be bound on earth. That's the power of the enemy over us. you got to bind that in the name of Jesus. And whatever we loose in heaven will be loosed on earth. That is whatever is binding your hands and your feet. Sickness, affliction, mental torment, fear, whatever it is, fall off in the name of Jesus. Verse 8. Then the angel told him, get dressed. Put on your sandals. And he did. He said, now put on your coat and follow me. The angel ordered. Watch this. Get up. Get dressed. Because it's time not for you. Now, now, now sometimes, you know, we get to work and I do it as a pastor. Vacations are good, right? Don't y'all thank God for vacations. Now, if Peter deserves a vacation, I'll even say a sabbatical. 
He deserves it. This guy's been through a lot. I mean, he's been in prison. I mean, if I'm the church, I'm like, Peter, you need to go on a cruise for a week. You know what I'm saying? Just get out of here, man. God didn't say, Peter, it's time for you to get up and go on vacation. He said, Peter, it's time for you to get dressed and it's time for you to get back to work. There's still somebody that needs healing. There's still somebody that needs to hear about this precious child, Jesus Christ. There's somebody that needs to hear that he resurrected and he's coming back. See, show Satan that this setback, that's all it was. It was a setback. It's only a setup to give God more glory. Because when he got him in prison, it was a setback. And Satan's rejoicing, thinking, oh, it's all good now. But that night when God showed up and the angels showed up, and but the church prayed, all of a sudden God is getting the glory again and the devil's defeated again and he's crushing his head just like he said the hill was going to bruise the head of the serpent when Jesus died he's still doing it today when the church verse 9 let's go so Peter left the cell following the angel but all the time he thought it was a vision he didn't realize it was actually happening he thinks he's having a dream a vision he had those he's seen a vision before he don't even know if it's real or not verse 10 they passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. Are y'all ready? And this opened for them all by itself. That's, that's important. So they passed through and started walking down the street and then the angel suddenly left him. I told you that this wasn't anything new for Peter. Read Acts chapter 5 verse 19. Time don't permit me to. The angel came in the night and opened the prison doors for Peter. I have to say this to somebody today. Satan could try to throw you in prison. He can try to lock you away. He can try to get in your head and make you a prisoner to yourself. He will do that if you allow him to. He will turn you into a recluse and make you feel like you can't come around the church. You can't be around people if you let him. He can put you on lockdown, a word that we all know today. But I need you to see what prayer can do. The doors that have locked you away forever. The doors that have locked you up and Satan thought he had you behind for good. The doors are going to open for you. I wish somebody, listen, Peter didn't have to grab something that he found on the ground and pick the locks off of himself to get the chains off. God said, I can open those for you. He didn't have to pick the lock of the door and say, how am I going to go through this door? God said, I'm going to open the door for you. There's somebody today that needs to know there's a God in heaven. You don't have to pick the lock. God's going to open it automatically. Hey, somebody ought to give God praise. Verse 11. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders have planned to do to me. Verse 12. When he realized this, he went home to Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. This is where the church is having a prayer service for Peter, right? Verse 13. He knocked at the door and the gate and a servant girl. Somebody say servant girl. That's important. Name Rhoda. Anybody ever heard of her? I'm glad God put her name in there because she deserves it. A servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. Joel's already prophesied it. In Joel chapter 2. Oh God, I feel, I feel like I could preach for three hours. Now i got to quit. 
Joel chapter 2. He's already prophesied it in Acts chapter 2. Guess who the preacher was? The guest preacher? His name is Peter. Hallelujah. He's preached it in Acts chapter 2. It actually fulfilled it when God said, I'm going to do something for you you've never seen before. See, God didn't use a servant by coincidence. God was pouring out His Spirit just like He said. I'm going to pour out the Spirit not just on the ones that got a name, but I'm going to pour out the Spirit on the servants and on the handmaids. And it's amazing that Rhoda had the faith of God in her to believe Peter is at the door. 14, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, this girl got happy. Peter's standing at the door. It's kind of like when you shout. You just take off. Listen, the servant girl believed and she rejoiced. What was the response of some of the church folks? Y'all ready? 15. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Now, I'm going to leave you with this. Give me two more minutes, and I promise. The church had been praying very earnestly, very fervently to God for Peter's miracle, right? But when God miraculously answered their prayers, they couldn't believe that God had actually done it. And they told Rhoda, I'll call it an out-of-your-mind kind of faith. You ever been there? Where you had an out-of-your-mind kind of faith? And other people around you were saying, what? Really? You believe that can happen? Well, sure I do. It's a little David. That's a little fellow with no experience. But he's fighting a giant named Goliath. The experience from his youth. People thought it was impossible. But little David's going and saying with God, I'm going to sling this sling. All things are possible. Oh, don't listen. Don't put your powerful God in a little box because He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever think or dream possible. So the girl that came as the messenger to let the church know that God had answered their prayers was called insane. You're crazy, Rhoda. But my closing verse 16, meanwhile, Peter just keep, he kept on knocking Sometimes you got to do that. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were what? They were amazed. Now, I could read the rest of the story to you, but time won't permit. But they had a testimony service. Peter told them what the Lord had done in response to the prayers of the church. And they were amazed. I believe how great is our God was probably the song selection for that day. How great is our God. How powerful is our God. How awesome is our God. See church, I want you to understand something. If you are going to take the time to pray as a church then let's believe that God's going to take the time to answer our prayer. Because if we're not going to believe, there's no need in us even praying to begin with. But if we believe that what we ask, with faith believing, it shall be done. If we ask, we shall receive. If we seek, we shall find. If we knock, Peter, the door will be open. Come on, let's close. Woo! Let's stand in the house of God today before Pastor Jimmy goes into camp meeting mode. Oh, God Almighty. So church, when the Lord finally answers your prayers, and He will answer your prayers. Oh, I'm going to say it again. 
I said when, not if. I said when the Lord answers your prayers. Be sure, like Peter, to give a testimony about it. So that others are encouraged and ultimately in the end, God receives the glory that He deserves. I'm going to leave you all with this. Today, we are going to pray together. Today, in this moment, we are going to have a but the church pray moment. We're going to pray for Olin today especially, who is still struggling with this mess sent from hell. They call it the Chinese virus. I say it came from hell. It's even deeper than that. Of the devil, listen to me folks. We're going to pray today. The church, not Pastor Jimmy, not Pastor Brian, I'm talking about the church is going to pray. And we are praying for recovery. We are praying for healing. We are praying for this church. We are praying for a revival. We are praying for a spiritual awakening to hit this church so hard that we can't deny that God just showed up and showed out. We're going to pray for God to send an awakening to Six Mile, South Carolina that even our community will drive by and know that the Holy Ghost is at work in that church called Gap Hill. But the church prayed and things happened. Anybody believe with me today? I've finished my notes are done. I don't have anything else to say today. I'm done. What I want us to do today is special. I want us to believe God together. Wherever you are right now, I want you to believe God for a miracle right now. Just like what I just said. And I want you, as a church body, to pray together. I'm talking old-fashioned Pentecostal Holy Ghost praying. I'm talking about when we used to call on him and say, Brother Jeff, would you say that benediction? And everybody, he's like, oh God, like, Lord, in the name of Jesus! We can't even hear Brother Jeff. You know why? But the church Woo! Somebody's going to grab it, Brian. I'm telling you, it's, I'm bringing it around. I'm bringing it home. That's exactly what I want us to do today. I want the church to pray. Now Brian's going to sing a song that says it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. The enemy may be around me, but my angels are around my enemy. Sing it, sing it. Oh. Now what I want the church to do, I want you to start praying right now. Just pray. I don't care. Just call on God right now. Everybody, everybody, go, go, pray, 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 touch heaven. This is how I fight. Thank you, Holy Ghost. God, let the church pray. We believe that when we pray, things happen. Touch all in the day in the name of Jesus. Raise my brother off of that bed of affliction right now by the power of the Holy Ghost. Rebuke that COVID pneumonia in his lungs. Let it remove everything that is blocking his breathing. I rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. We bring glory to your name. We believe that you are able to do it right now in Jesus' name. 
As a church, we pray. As a church, we believe. As a church, we receive. Because we know if we ask with faith, believing it shall be done in the name of the Lord.